0: Welcome to Men Are Nuts, a podcast about mental health, emotional health, psychological health and physical health awareness in men and society. First, it started with MAN, M-A-N, the acronym for Men Are Nuts. And we have a very special guest on the show for you today. Can you introduce yourself?
1: Sure.
0: Hello. My name is Bianca McCall. Hi, Bianca. And where are you where, where are we um, conversing with today? Where, what area, what part of the world?
1: I am in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the United States of America.
0: Right, wow. Nevada. And how is Nevada right now? Um, for the listeners out there who don't know Nevada or where it is, can you um, let them know?
1: Sure. We are on the western coast of the U.S., uh, our neighboring states are California, uh, Arizona, mm-hmm. and Utah, and uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, is, is widely known for um, our Las Vegas strip that hosts uh, some of the most beautiful casinos and, and uh, hospitality you know, in the world, and, uh, and we typically get travelers from all over the world. Um, that that come into our city and um, have you know life lifelong, life lasting impressions and experiences um, to celebrate you know some of the most precious times in their lives and and uh, it's it's a little bit of a strange feeling here in Las Vegas, Nevada these days uh, when we're we're talking about uh, a world that is that is um, at pause and and at a distance. Um, you know, it, it, to see the city this slow and this empty is, is a little
0: bit eerie. Yeah. So so we, we're talking about the, the virus that's happening around, you know, it's, it's it's 2020 now and what's actually happening there? You say it's empty and what's been happening and have you, has, do you think, has America been slow to move or what's what's been the narrative there? Uh, well, I think the
1: narrative is that, you know, we... We started off with uh, receiving a national message, um, you know, that that coronavirus has, has impacted uh, U.S., has, has, you know, come into to U.S. borders. Um, there was a lot of confusion about um, the origins and, and what it looks like and, and how it spread. Uh, you know, initially it brought some, some conversation uh, that, that I was really, you know, pleased to, to see happening uh, across several communities in the U.S. where people just seem to be very health conscious and, and there's a lot of comparisons being made between coronavirus and, and other significant, you know, uh, and impactful you know, health concerns. And, uh, and so I like that. Um, and then once we started getting messaging from our local governments, you know, the, the message started to become a lot more serious. Um, and, uh, what started off as a suggestion to, to socially distance yourself, uh, turn into an order, you know, from, from local government. And so, um, you know, very quickly this, this became, um, You know, a true pandemic. I think initially in the US, um, you know, we weren't so sure uh, how serious it was. We weren't so sure about the intentions or motivations behind the messaging originally. But then, you know, like I said, when it when it turned from suggestion and and in a few short days, you know, into an order, um, you know, things got serious very quickly. So when I when I mentioned, you know, empty streets and and, uh, you know, not a whole lot of, of traffic, um, you know, for our, our hospitality uh, a business. I mean, hospitality and the casinos and the Las Vegas Strip, uh, that's at the centerpiece of our economy here in Nevada. And so um, when casinos are, you know, being ordered to close, um, when when, you know, nobody's getting on planes and, and traveling to uh you know one of the most transient cities you know in in the western region of, of the world um, you know it's 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 a different look it's a different feel and like I said before there's a certain level of eeriness you know when you travel down to the Las Vegas strip and you don't see anybody
0: yeah so do you, what what's actually happening there? Do you, do you have shops opening what's what's actually open there
1: yeah. So we, we've, uh, you know, been ordered to, to close all non-essential businesses. Uh, and so, uh, our state government put out a list of what essential businesses are and that includes, you know, all healthcare agencies or anybody that's serving or servicing, uh, you know, disadvantaged, underserved populations. Um, and then you've also got, uh, the food industry. So, uh, so restaurants and things can remain open, but um, not their, you know, their in dining parts of their their businesses. So, so they're all doing takeout orders and deliveries and things, uh, which are still allowed uh, here. Um, grocery stores are open, um, and I believe auto repair, home maintenance and repair stores are also allowed to stay open. But yeah. you've got uh, just a major hit, you know, a lot of people lost jobs, a lot of people were laid off, um, you know, in the hospitality industry when you're closing casinos. Um, and then, yeah. you know, you've got several businesses uh, that are headquartered here that rely heavily on, um, you know, the casinos and, and, you know, so when they were closed, you know, uh, th- that affected, you know, a ton of other businesses as well.
0: Yeah. So. In your, in your, from your perspective, how do you feel that? Um, how do you feel that? You know, let's just say once this is over, whether it's three months, whatever, however long it takes, do you see? Um, do you see there's going to be a change in attitude to, in humans, or do you, or in terms of business, or um, you know, even even seeing the, the, the strip? Do you think that will go back to how it was before?
1: You know, I, I absolutely think that th- this is going to be um you know, it's gonna have a lasting impact on um uh, on the economy, on, on the way that businesses are ran, um, on human interactions, all of that. Uh, you know, my my business, my trade is in healthcare, um and specifically, you know, um I'm a, I'm a provider of of mental health services. Um, and we work with, you know, specialized populations, um, that are at the highest risk of, of suicide. And so, um, continuity, continuity of care, um, relationship, um, interactions with, you know, the different entities and organizations and public departments that all make up this continuum of care for, for each individual and, and families, um, you know, it's it's definitely had an impact on our abilities to provide high quality care um, when social distancing is, uh, you know, that's that's what we've been ordered to do. But distancing, you know, in a continuum of care um, makes the job a lot harder. You know, and and um, as an individual, you know, professional and, and provider, um, you know, stress goes up. Um, you know, and and you begin to, to question, you know, uh, with my role in this continuum of care, you know, how can I, how can I have the greatest impact, but also keep myself safe and, and keep, you know, my, my staff safe, you know, so it's, you know, and, and what, what's been encouraged in healthcare specifically is a shift to, uh, to do provide telehealth, which is, uh, you know, providing these, these services, these clinical services, um, over the phone, Mm -hmm. video chat, um, text chat, um, but using these applications and, uh, and, uh, one of them being, you know, zoom, you know, is, is, um, you know, one, one program that their platform that, that people are using to connect, um, and it's it's interesting because telehealth, you know, um, we've we've been allowed to do telehealth for for years. Yeah. You know, the CNS, um, you know, had put out incentives for telehealth programming um, about three years ago. They there were some some key uh, laws that had changed and had augmented, you know, the healthcare practitioner's ability to be able to reach people. And um, when it first, when it first kind of hit the ground, a lot of us providers were nervous about it. You know, we felt like, ah, we don't know uh, the quality of service that we can provide yeah. when, when it's not face-to-face.
0: You yeah. know, we
1: we almost, uh, you know, we're resistant. You know, just blatantly resistant to um, to social distancing at, at that point, and. and and really, I believe that comes from, you know, again, in my space, when I, when I talk about suicide prevention, um, isolation is a number one driver of, of suicide. Yeah. It's a number one driver of, of mental dis-ease. And so, um, when isolation is prescribed in order to contain something like coronavirus, um, that, that makes me very uneasy, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's kind of the space, or that's the frame of mind that a lot of us um, that are in the healthcare industry are feeling. But but I tell you what, now that telehealth, uh, we've kind of been forced into this, you know. Yeah. Um, I think that we're going to change the landscape of of healthcare moving forward. Um, you know, from from now from now moving forward, um, I think telehealth platforms are going to be widely used, um, and and you know embraced by both the community and practitioners, because it's something that will sustain, um, even in the event of, of, you know, emergency and crises. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, I think the same, the same may be true for, for all business, you know, when when we're all forced to conduct our businesses remotely um, and, and rely on those virtual prog- um uh, those virtual platforms, you know, and, and especially if we're able to kind of adjust our budgets and things and, and make it cost effective for the business, um, there is no going back. You know, yeah. the whole storefront kind of concept becomes obsolete, you know, and antiquated when when everything is is, uh, you know, on digital platforms and, and uh people can, you know, access, you know, any type of business service from the comfort and the convenience of their own home.
0: Yeah. Do you see there's a there's twofolds of that. Because uh, I was just thinking while you were talking there and, and I thought about this for you know, maybe a couple of years now because um homeschooling was always a big thing, you know, was, I say it's always a big thing, but some people used to kind of knock it and, and but now they've had to to um worldwide have had to kind of embrace it in a sense. Because um, a lot of people used to go, oh, homeschooling. Oh, homeschooling. No, yeah. You know, obviously now there's got, got new names for it, distance learning and all this sort of But relatively, it's homeschooling. Um, so when I was speaking, when, you know, when you're speaking there, yes, I was thinking, well, if we if we go all digital, not all digital, because you'd you'd have to mix it, wouldn't you? What that would mean, this this thing called social distancing yes people could come online and speak to you and you say embracing it but then wouldn't we lose what what because we've I think society has become individualistic and don't you think that we would lose some of that thing of getting you know like how we're coming to people are coming together now and trying to help each other we're getting volunteers particularly for this virus thing you know the volunteers you know thousands of volunteers are coming out to try and help and and so, there's so in a sense we call it social distancing, but it's not because people are coming to help. So it's about. Do you think about? Do you think? Do you think it's about getting back that human connection?
1: Yeah, I, I, I do. I think that that has to be, you know, the 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 objective or just kind of the underlying current in, in all all this and in in every single response. It has to be getting back you know, the human connection. I think what makes, or what our greatest barrier is right now with that is, you know, when we talk about technology and we talk about, you know, a digital world, um, you know, there's also this artificial kind of layer to that. You know, um, people can, can be who they want to be, you know, on, on you know, a social platform, a social media platform. Um, but that doesn't necessarily um, define who they are you know in, in person or in yeah. actuality. And yeah. so you mentioned um, these these social you know roles and heroes in a lot of respect that are um, you know on the front lines and and you know their their jobs are to keep us connected you know whether that be connected to, um, you know emergency resources or, or what have you but um, you know that's that's a part of my just extreme appreciation for those folks because um, they're representing you know the, the threads you know that that are keeping us connected um, you know to human interaction because otherwise you know going completely digital um, you know I, I think you're you're at a loss of reality for, for a lot of people. Um, and we've seen that there's, there's evidence of this in, you know, how, uh, the youth generations are, you know, we're seeing increases in, you know, maladaptive behavior in our youth, uh, due to this because they are so overly reliant on technology. Um, you know, I, am so I'm in my late thirties and, and I know, um, from early education, you know, I was taught to develop the skill of abstract reasoning, you know. I was taught to have an imagination, but there was a distinction between imagination and in the real world because I was I was more frequently engaged and interacting in in the real world, you know, in person and yeah. and natural consequences, you know, that I could that I could experience with all my senses, you know. Yeah, definitely. Uh, today in today's world you know youth they don't have they're not frequently engaged in in real world activities you know they're they're very much on their phones on their tablets on their laptops on their personal devices and on these sites um, manifesting kind of their you know this imagined personality or you know who they believe themselves to be which is largely you know it's contingent upon what other people see them as yeah. you know or what society said followers the yeah yeah so you know something like the coronavirus i think you know it, it has a huge impact on our abilities to relate to one another our abilities to nurture um you know human interaction and human relationships um, and and there's a real risk there that we that we do lose touch with with reality, you know, in that sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you're right because uh, the, the, because you, you know you've really made me I've, I've thought about these things before, but then with the things that you're touching on then and um, you know and like you say, it's things to go online. Yeah, yes, we're going to have to, in a sense, embrace it, particularly through this time. But then it's. It's how do we how you know, how how does that impact when this thing if this thing finishes or blows over? Um, how do we come back together? How do we um, you know? Yes, we're going to have this digital platform because I've, I've, I've found that when I if you're looking at looking back at movies from years ago, I'm talking about you, you know some movies of you, you not almost predicted things or you know um, things like virtual reality and and and. Uh, there's these mo- uh, these movies where people are stuck behind these computers and they're, is, and they're in their houses and stuck in front of the computers and they order food in and they don't leave the house and, and it's just and when you when, when you seen that like 15 years ago and 20 years ago there's a danger that we could end up moving back into it particularly with things like what you're saying there is things like um, in your field like suicide prevention and, and all these things um, how how can that how, how that would have a negative impact on on, on, on people, on human beings. Um, so let's talk about your role and what you do in terms of um, what, what you, what do you do in, what is your role and what do you do? Um, what does your day look like or week?
1: Gosh, um, I, I usually forget by the end of the day what, what <laughs> that day
0: looked like. <laughs>
1: but, um... <laughs> what what my role is um, so I, I you know i run a an outpatient mental health clinic yeah. um we very purposefully uh specialize in suicide prevention and so all of the mental health and behavioral health services that we provide are actually um you know tailored services to t- target those that are the highest risk of suicide yeah. and being able to um, use um, proven interventions to be able to reduce those risks yeah. of suicide. And so, my job as an individual and as a leader of, of my agency, Desert Rose, um, is really to, you know, I consider it to be, um, you know, a researcher. You know, I, I I have to take a look at the statistics, um, mm-hmm. I have to, you know, have some critical thinking, some abstract reasoning in, in not only, you know, what the statistics are, but why we're seeing the statistics, um, you know, and, and, and why it's, you know, what can we do in terms of reporting, in terms of, um, you know, uh, community action planning, you know, and, and, taking a look at the overall systems of how we manage our, our health and wellness, yeah. um, you know. How can we consider all of those factors and then strategically plan uh, to prevent, you know, suicide? And so I'm, I'm a professional student. You know, I, I really consider myself to be that. And and it's not in a world where, you know, a lot of things are digitized, and you know, it, it's it's not as easy as you would think to get information to get raw and real data. Yeah. Um, because you know, when we talk about the internet and things like that. There's so much information. There's so many messages, um, and there there's so much of that is is not accurate. You yeah. know, um, so you know, sifting through all of that data and all that messaging is is nearly impossible for you know one woman to do, uh, especially manually. And then you know, as we as we kind of you know. Conversely, look at, you know, what we've been talking about thus far and and how how can we uh, prevail, you know, with with something like coronavirus. One of those is, I think, you know, really taking a look at our systems and and being able to improve the way that we uh, collect data and and report data, you know, so that we can promote just health and wellness moving forward. so for my agency, I mean that's that's what our role is and and when you talk about folks that are at the highest risk of suicide, yeah. you know, I I've, I've looked at data uh for Nevada um from 2013 the year 2013 to present and when I identify certain trends or certain populations that present um higher risk or increased risk um you know i i just go to town and and really you know research the demographic and and again just trying to ask the question of, of why yeah why um yeah and then there's just there's so many factors you know there's so many factors that contribute to um you know like i said dis-ease you know you break up the word disease and yeah, you've got dis and,
0: yeah. and
1: most of us experience that um you know to some level yeah and uh you know, I've been, I've been, you know, quoting, you know, something that I heard on a, on a Ted talk, uh, you know, not too long ago, uh, where the speaker, you know, mentioned that we have this false sense of, of, uh, you know, addiction. We, we think that the opposite of, of addiction is, is sobriety when the opposite of addiction is, is love. It's a healthy connection.
0: Yeah.
1: And the same is true, I believe. You know, on, on the same spectrum, you know, is of addiction is, is suicide, and and I believe that the opposite of suicide is not convincing someone, uh, you know, to thrive or to live, but it's it's love, it's a healthy connection. And so again, uh, um, you know, it, it, distancing, you know, doesn't. I don't believe that it, it should mean isolation. You know, in, in times like these. Because there, there may be people out there that are in or having a personal crisis. You know, mm-hmm. they're 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 experiencing disease, and um, to not leave the house, you know, and, and to it's one thing to embrace all the the uh, advancements and, and convenience of, of being able to you know have everything brought to you, you know, or everything at the the at your fingertips, um, but. You know everything has to include that that opportunity for human interaction
0: yeah definitely and and you you know you, the, the word you mentioned there i think you mentioned it twice or three times is love um, um that love that, that, and human in- interaction um which is so important I, you know i'll always stress that love is the, the, you know the most important thing that we 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 have um because it can encompass so many things and it can help um it can make us happy, you know. It, it brings all these these emotions and, and kind of, you know, euphoric emotions. So, in in, this, in this, you, you talk about statistics. What what is what are the main things or the main um, the main causes? We're talking about you speaking about Nevada. So, what are the main causes of of someone being at risk of of um, suicide?
1: I think the, the main thing um, that we all must understand is that, you know, even though there are some of us who who may feel like, hey, you know, I would never, and I've never had these thoughts. It's important to understand suicide, you know, for what it is. Um, and, and suicide is, is um, essentially it's, it's the exacerbation of, of depression, you know, um, and, and some people that experience depression, whether it be chronic depression, um, whether it be, you know, uh, by episode, you know, or, or something has triggered, you know, prolonged sadness into depression. If anybody could, could feel depressed, if anybody could feel sad, then, then that creates, you know, a, a level of risk for suicide. It doesn't mean that that person will You know successfully attempt or commit suicide but it it means that there's a risk there i mean we've gotta we've gotta begin to take a look at it as um this is something that no one is exempt from and once we can do that i think that we begin to eliminate the stigma which does is another significant driver for suicide for the folks that actually do attempt and and uh, and successfully commit suicide. Um, the stigma of you're crazy or you're weak or you know all the all the negative you know attributes that we that we attach to you know someone who is who is you know has communicated that they've been thinking about suicide. Um, the Sigma is, is a driver, you know, again, referencing that, that TED talk um, with addictions, um, the speaker says that, you know, for some reason we, we think that we need to humiliate and isolate addicts to get them to stop using, you know. And again, when the, the antidote is, is love, you know, and connection, you can see how counterproductive that is. And it's the same way with suicide. We humiliate, we isolate, we stigmatize, you know, folks that are that are having those thoughts, I, instead of, you know, participating in this cultural change and how we define suicide. How do we approach suicide? At what point will we, um, you know, make it okay for people to have conversations with with safe, and trusted, loved ones? You know, um, somebody who is capable of giving love in those moments.
0: You Know, yeah, yeah, and 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 yeah, like you say, it's it's, it's um, there's definitely a thought process, thought processes are there in terms of how we 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 perceive suicide and 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 how it's stigmatized. So, for you, do your does your organization do people come to you? How, how, how do they, in a sense, how do they know that you're there? Do you do you advertise? Or is it a fa- uh, do do you go out to people on a day to day basis what what is it that you guys your organization does
1: um i I think in you know our level of activity in our community um it that's what lets people know that that we're there yeah. um it's a little bit of a of a strange dynamic when you talk about marketing um you know suicide prevention yeah. because there's there's also um you know, some cautions and considerations in, in how you, um, you know, approach the subject of suicide and how you talk about it
0: with yes, folks. yeah, definitely. Um, there's,
1: there's still a lot of fear in the community as well. You know, um, there's some, some other terms that, that are more, um, that the people are more receptive to, yeah. uh, things like resiliency, you know, as opposed to suicide prevention, let's talk about resiliency and being able to, um, you know, cope with life stressors and, and other factors that may be contributing to, you know, the depression and the suicidality. Yeah. Um, I, I, mentioned before, you know, abstract reasoning, um, as a skill development that could actually, you know, reduce your risk of suicide, being yeah. able to, uh, step outside of kind of that concrete way of thinking, um, you know, all or nothing, black or white. You know, life and death, and and being able to imagine several different possibilities and potential, and your own potential to be your own hero. Yeah. Um, some other things, you know, that you know, in reference to your question before about what drives suicide, uh, and. And what I've noticed specifically in Nevada is that um, suicide by firearms is is a growing concern, and especially for our youth population. Um, and so, you know, I I'm desirous of, of of being able to kind of take this show on the road and, and travel and, and and look at data, you know, across uh, you know this country, the U.S. and and, and countries worldwide to see you know what trends you know transcend uh borders and and that's something that that i've noticed um you know here in the us like i said specifically looking at nevada statistics um you know gun safety is is um you know it's been the the main topic of a lot of initiatives in nevada we've got a great office for suicide prevention, and and that's really you know how my organization has been able to do what it does is by maintaining a, a great relationship with our state office for suicide prevention. Yeah. Um, they've got you know uh, members of, of their staff that are very active in in prevention initiatives. Um, that are constantly doing events, that are constantly sparking conversation and that are leading all the training statewide for um, you know, all, all professions to be able to identify signs of suicide and be able to start the conversations uh, with folks and being okay asking, hey, are you thinking about suicide? And then taking it a step further and, and having a conversation, being comfortable and confident to have a conversation allow someone to tell them, you know, what, what are their reasons for it, you know, so that they can begin to navigate, you know, what are, what are the reasons to live and what are some resources that, that we can connect you with, uh, so that you can continue, um, to, to survive.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: so, you know, I, I think that that's extremely vital in, in, you know, my process as a professional and, and my agencies is, is just maintaining a, a great relationship I think with, um, not just the office of suicide prevention, but, but beginning to look at health and wellness as, you know, it's only as good as your, your continuum of care. Yeah. And so you have to have relationships, you know, as a provider, the, the worst thing, the worst experience that I've had as a provider is, um, you know, operating in, in silos, you know. Um, when, when providers aren't talking to each other, when public departments and private entities, you know, aren't aligned in, in their mission. Um, you know, that's, that's the worst place to be. But, you know, me, I, like I said, I, I'm, I, I try to take the show on the road. I I live my life on the road. I, I will go to anybody's office and, and, uh, passionately, you know, speak about, um, you know, what, what, you know, the vision is for you know to achieve zero suicide and and um when I am out when I am active you know the the reception is is amazing you know the community wants to be empowered you know to be able to to respond other professionals and practitioners they want education on how to you know play their role and do their part in in suicide prevention campaigning and so it's not that we don't want to talk about it i think it just takes you know several people to kind of uh like a high school dance you know uh in american pop culture you know like you step into the middle of the gymnasium and the first person to to kind of you know uh get dancing you know that starts the whole party so yeah um so that's what we aim to do
0: yeah and and you you spoke you just mentioned there that there was there's an increase in the youth um in terms of um suicide suicide. why 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 do you think that is why do you think there's a um and is it is it is it male is it female what's the the kind of ratio um well first answering why why i think that is
1: um you know i i think it does go back to um the type of of learners that our youth are um when you again when you lack abstract reasoning skills when you lack the ability to be able to see several um several potential or or possibilities you know from each message um that really puts you in a dangerous space because if if things are very concrete um you know it could take a single negative peer interaction um that that becomes unbearable, you know, for, for our kids. I also think, you know, with, and and I don't want to, you know, demonize technology and the internet because there's, there's so much that we're able to, to achieve because of it. Um, but I, again, I, I just think that there needs to be, um, some awareness and, and some safety measures for you know use of technology in the internet and i think that there needs to be um you know a bit more protection for our youth as they engage you know in these technologies because um it could be very confusing for youth who lacks abstract reasoning to receive all of these messages um you know from from the internet and, and from these social platforms um, for example, uh, around this time last year, there was um, there was a a culprit on um, on one of the social platforms uh, that posted videos of um, of a character with, who was basically instructing youth to um, do deviant things that resulted in in their death in, and yeah, in yeah. suicide. Yeah. and and. You know, again, when, you know, youth have grown, grown up in a world um, where one, they have somehow become the masters of, of their family and home environments because they're the experts, you know, at how to use all the technologies. And but there's this dissonance because, you know, they're they're powerful beings. Right. But yeah. at the same time, they have no rights and they have no yeah. um, real you know decision-making power over their lives and so what what do they do with what happens with dissonance is is anxiety stress rebellion and so um you've got you know all these behaviors that you know we're seeing with kids younger and younger i mean um you know kids that are eight years old and thinking about suicide you know that mm-hmm. are that are younger than that and and trying you know alcohol and and controlled substances for the first time i mean we're seeing a lot of you know uh, um, deviant or or um, you know different behavior than than we're used to seeing, and and it's creating this kind of artificial you know world online, um, and and you've got you've got kids that are really at risk because online they portray themselves to be a certain way, and the consequences are you know, they're scaled to I mean, you know, you've got tens of thousands, you know, that are mm-hmm. that are following, that are that are seeing everything that you post and, and responding and, and really kind of the masters of your consequence, you know, for, for what you put online and and there's just not enough protection, you know, for that for that child that's alone in their room or in the middle of the night, kind of on their phone, uh, and nobody knows what's going on. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so do you, do you find it, um, the, 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 ratio of male to female, do you find it's more male or female, which, which, how do you, which, which way does it go? Or is it quite similar?
1: Um, the risk is, is really similar. Um, you know, when, when I talk about youth, I, I think that there are, um, there are certain trends and, and there's some environmental factors that contribute to that. Um, for example, and, and 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 this example is, is across the board, um, you know, for all age groups. But for example, um, you know, February fourteenth, you know, U.S. Valentine's Day, and um, ultimately, uh, you know, a commercial commercial holiday to celebrate, you know, love and relationships. And so, uh, you know, what I've seen over the years is that typically you see more male suicides, you know, on or around valentine's day and and you know i would be remiss to not look at what are some of the socioeconomic contributions to why males would you know be at higher risk during that time and when you look at even just the social messaging um you know you've got commercials and things that come on um, where, you know, males are, are being encouraged to propose, you know, to their girlfriends and, and, and or males are being encouraged to take their girlfriends out to a meal or their significant others out to a meal. And, you know, for, for the male that does not have a significant other or significant relationship, um, there's a real kind of, you know, outcasting of that, of that individual, that person immediately becomes isolated. And, and again, when it, depending upon, you know, that person's ability to cope with that level of, or that sense of rejection, maybe, um, you know, that, that contributes to, to high risk, you know? And so, um, so I, I kind of don't want to say, you know, Males are are more or higher risk than females or, you know, with regards to youth or any population, because I I stand by, you know, what I mentioned before that that no one's exempt, you know, that that we have to consider all risks, you know, and even even, you know, individual a little bit more individualistic and and a little bit more, um, I think, focused and, and specific to the many different cultures that exist, you know, in society, you know, we can't, you know, male and female, you know, that's even uh, extremely broad, you know, in today's society yeah. <laughs> when we talk about gender identity and things. And so, um, so, but I will say, you know, that I, I, I have noticed, um, you know, a lot of different environmental factors that, that may contribute to why certain populations are at higher risk.
0: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, so, for you, to, uh, I going to. Well, you just said that as well. I'm just mention that. Do you uh, again going back to that? Do you see it in um, in terms of you know um, in terms of demographics of race or um, the you know person? What? How is there different difference there, or is it again across the board um, quite similar?
1: Um, I, I think that there are differences um when you look at race, um, when you look at economic class and things and, and I think those differences, um, they're actually, you know, surprising to some. Um I I remember sitting in a in a room um with, with some other professionals from some public departments and and a comment was made that and then this was based on the statistics, you know, but the comment was made that um, you know, that uh, children, you know, from minority races or what would be considered minority races in, in Nevada um, aren't, you know, suicide is not a problem in, in those families. And, you know, according to the statistics, you know, that that statement was was accurate. You know, we saw higher statistics of, um, or higher risk of, of suicides, you know, with uh, Caucasian families than we did with um, Hispanic families or, or Black American families. Um, we saw higher numbers. That was true. But when we talk about risk of suicide and we, we, you know, I think more accurately define suicide and suicidal behavior, um, you know, I, I was inclined to disagree with that statement. You know, um, because when we look at what is suicidal behavior, um, then you've got you know the numbers are, are are you know scaled to to you know exponentially scaled. You know when you talk about um, behavior that people engage in that's reckless that
0: that yeah, is definitely.
1: a risk of life.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and and also uh, you know a negative reaction to environmental you know concerns and so um, and again you know I, I just go back to none of us are exempt it's, yeah. it's, not, it's never not a problem for yeah. any culture or any
0: population yeah so let's talk about you what, what is it that drives what is it that you know kind of briefly what is it that kind of got you there what is it that drives you and, and makes you want to help people in a sense
1: well, I, I gotta tell you, I'm the most popular girl at the parties. I'm the suicide lady, so I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> say that I I, mean, I don't love what I do, but um, you no, know, you know, I think it's my lived experience with suicide, um, you know, and and I I, I guess I'll, I'll take that back. I think it's a lot of things. Um, I do want to mention, you know, I'm I'm the daughter of, of a retired. Uh, 30 years retired corrections officer and a 30 plus year retired nurse. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, to, to some degree, you know, it's genetic, it's in my blood. You know, I was born a social servant and uh, I've always, you know, loved, I've looked up to my parents and, and the impact they had on our community uh, growing up. And, and I knew that that's what I wanted to be uh, you know, I I wanted to be a social servant. I wanted to impact people's lives, um, the way that I, I witnessed my, my parents doing. Um, and then there was also, you know, my lived experience with depression and and suicidality. Um, you know, I, I, you know, grew up, you know, black American home, uh, and we lived, um, in, in Northern California in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, you know where there there weren't a lot of families um, that were you know that that looked like me you know or that looked like us and so um, we were highly regarded but you know at the same time you know we we had to deal with with challenges you know um, just like other you know black American families um, had, had to deal with and um, You know we had to deal with those very privately because there wasn't a whole lot of relationship or or others that could relate to you know our experiences and so um very early on i i learned to uh disassociate you know from uh you know the outside world experience and and you know what was going on you know within the walls of my home and internally you know inside myself um I also, I, you know, I, I played basketball, um, I played basketball, um, from high school earlier than high school and, and, and I played professionally. Um, and, you know, so I, I developed this kind of gamer, uh, you know, this gamer, uh, MO to where, you know, I, I oftentimes related to, um, You know center stage me and then backstage me and and that you know has been reinforced reinforced my whole life you know and so um just being able to experience and and survive um you know that that type of of living a a double life um it's allowed me to relate to others that are, that are also, you know, battling with, with some of those things that, that I, you know, that, that I have survived. And um, while I was playing basketball in, in college, I actually had a teammate that successfully suicided um, and, and I, I had a lot of guilt behind that, you know, as a, as a child and, and not knowing um, not knowing any better, but I felt, um, I felt a lot of regret because I didn't say anything to my teammate, Um, even though I could recognize some of the same behaviors, um, you know, that, that I had had, you know? And so, you know, I'd wondered, you know, if, if Hey, is, is she depressed maybe too? Or, or, you know, does she have the same thoughts that, that I have? Um, but I, I didn't say anything. And so um, after witnessing kind of the impact of, of her suicide and the impact that it had on, on many levels, you know, with, with you know, her family, with our team, with the university, with all the athletes, with the city, and, and so on, um, I, I made the decision at that point that I would never be in that position again where I, I didn't say something. And so I, I dedicated, you know, my life to um, using my life, my lived experience to relate to others and to connect others, and and that's just truly what I believe my purpose is: is, is to connect others and and uh, and link to, you know, to love, to link to those those healthy supports and relationships, and uh, and I've been. I've been blessed, you know, to be able to, um, you know, manifest that into, you know, that's what my business does, you know, and um, and to have the opportunity, you know, to, um, you know, in a a positive light for technology, to have the opportunity to be able to connect with you and and others that are are passionate about promoting mental health. Um, You know, this is this is all just kind
0: of a living purpose yeah that's fantastic it's brilliant it's brilliant what you're doing and you know and you're out there helping to save lives and and prevent um you know you know introducing wellness and 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 health and and all these things to people's lives so you know you know i applaud you for that and you know well you know it's, it's fact you're doing a, uh, you're doing a good job and you know in fact a great job um what would you say to people out there um who you know, just like a, you know, like a lasting word of, of wanting to get help. And and what would you say, you know, what would be your message?
1: Um, my message would be that I think I think that the message, my message has to be to, to, to hang on, you know, I mean, I know it, it sounds kind of cliche and and maybe not that, that powerful. um, But from experiencing, um, from experiencing being at a point of, of, of despair and, and, kind of this darkness, you know, being devoid of, of being able to feel love, um, just hanging on. I mean, it's it's something that I've, I've told myself, you know, um, just, I mean, I can do this, hang on, um, and, and reach out, you know, I, I think that, you know, there's, it's, it's arguable, how much you know? Someone can reach out when they they truly are in crisis, and and there's some level I think of responsibility as, as just humans to to learn how to reach in, you know. At the same time, but you know, it, it, reaching out, you know, allows somebody to be able to reach reach in, you know, and make that connection. And so, um, hanging on and and reaching out so that so that we can connect you know I I think it's it's finding you know at least one person that you trust to be able to you know to be able to love you and and having that start with you know yourself being able to trust yourself you know enough to to love yourself so that you can hang on and and reach out and and you know my I I would love to uh, I would love to talk to that person, you know, that's going through it, you know, right now, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, what walks of life, you know, we might be the most unlikely, unlikely pair, you know, on the planet. But I, I would like to talk to, to that person that that's struggling, you know, if they can't find, you know, that, that one person, um, then there's a reason why they, they would hear, hear my message, you know when they do, and and maybe that's you know for me to reach in and
0: for them to reach out. Yeah, and that's a powerful message. And funny you say that because um, I had someone the, on the on 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 the show before, and and they actually said reach in to reach out, and it's it's interesting that you you've said that in a in 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 that context, and it is a very powerful message. Um, so you know it's it, like you said, it's probably maybe even the practitioners to to like you say, you're going around and you're you're doing all these wonderful things to to, to help, help people um, so you know, I just, you know I'd just like to say thank you for coming on and um, talking about your experiences and, and what you do um, you know I, I hope uh, you, you say stay safe and your family stay safe you know throughout this um, pandemic epidemic um, and you know let's see, what, let's see what happens from here you know where can you be found?
1: Where can I be found? I am all over social media. Um, my name is Bianca McCall. I am the founder and CEO of Desert Rose Counseling Group. And so we are on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, our offices are headquartered in Las Vegas, Nevada. However, we are uh, all over all over Nevada and wanting to reach all over, uh, all over the world you know with this message of, of you know coming together connecting and uh, and and spreading love
0: yeah you know? I was so. just about to say that and love yeah fantastic yeah and, yeah. and, and, we- and
1: thank you for, for having me on I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to uh, you know to have this conversation
0: Yeah, no, um, no and worries.
1: I appreciate you do as well just you know creating the platform for that that's pretty awesome
0: yeah no worries and um, like I say Eve know we'll 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 definitely keep in touch and we'll you know we'll i'd like to get you back on again you know um to 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 speak about different aspects and 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 things like that so really appreciate thank you for coming on and and um, thank you that was men are nuts speak to you again bye-bye
1: thanks (laughs) bye-bye